This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 65, and the quote of the day is from John Coltrane, who said, My goal is to live the truly religious life and express it in my music. If you live it, when you play, there's no problem because the music is part of the whole thing. To be a musician is really something. It goes very, very deep. My music is the spiritual expression of what I am, my faith, my knowledge, my being. Drummers Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And I want to let everybody know that this Wednesday, September 24th, I'm hosting another free webinar called Marketing for the Modern Musician. And this will help you learn what you need to do to market yourself as a musician in the modern world and brand yourself as a professional, yielding more exposure, more followers, and more gigs. And you can check all the information out at drummersresource.com forward slash register. And it's 100% free. It's Wednesday, September September 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So go to drummersresource.com forward slash register to get all the information. Today, the interview that I have is Johnny Vidakovich, who is the New Orleans legend who's been playing in New Orleans since the 70s and has taught people like Brian Blade and Stanton Moore. And this interview was great because he is somebody that 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 understands, excuse me, the 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 natural part of playing and the stuff in New Orleans is the stuff that you can't get out of a book. And we get into that in this interview and we talk about a lot of different things about how how all of these rhythms created in New Orleans came from Africa and things like that. So this is a really awesome interview. He's been a, a hero of mine for years and I've always dug his playing. So it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. So let's get right into this interview, Mr. Johnny Vidakovich. Johnny, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad you called me for it. Man, I am. I just got to tell you, I have. I've been a fan of your playing for years and years and years. And uh, I was down in New Orleans uh, a few years ago, and I missed you. You weren't in town when I was there, and I was upset about it. But I've been a big fan of your playing, still am. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man. I really do appreciate it. Cool, cool, cool. But you're gonna you're gonna come back down to New Orleans, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I love so, New Orleans is a is a great town, man. I've I've been there a few times and uh every time I'm there, I'm I consider moving there. So <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So speaking of, of New Orleans, you're from New Orleans. New Orleans has a, a totally um it's kind of a world into itself, so to speak. It's it's kind of in this small little bubble, and you you're from there. So let's talk a little bit about about growing up in New Orleans because it's like no other place in the world. And and talk about how you got into playing as a young player. Well, growing up in New Orleans, you know, you get to hear a lot of music. Uh, I just think music, especially back in in you know uh, in in in. Uh, in the fifties and stuff like that, you know, music was pretty much a very much the main source of, of, of entertainment. You had movies and stuff like that, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I think mu- music was, was pretty much on everybody's, uh, you know, uh, list, right. you know? So there was always music. And, and what was cool about New Orleans is there's a lot of mixed cultures here, you know, uh, and in the neighborhood I lived in had mixed cultures, you know, where I lived right next to some Spanish people and right next to some uh, Irish people. Uh, we, uh, my family that I, I, I grew up with was uh, a Sicilian family, all immigrants, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so, and we didn't have air conditioning. All the windows were open. So right, in, and we lived in these long shotgun houses, and so right house right next to you, you would hear a whole another language being spoken and, and different kind of music being played. And uh, so uh, I got to hear a lot of these, a lot of different, different ethnic kinds of music like that, you know, mm-hmm. just from just from the whole idea of growing up in a time where there wasn't much air conditioning and there was a lot of windows open and people outside a lot, you know, right. you know, we stayed out, out, out outdoors all day, all day long and half, and half tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, and so the music thing w- was always, always happening. You know, there was always music in the background, uh, of anything from radio to, uh, 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 
radio. That was it mostly, you right, know. Right. You know. Uh, we didn't have a phonograph in the beginning. We got one when I was around ten years old. Up until that time, it was mostly the radio. Uh, but 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 uh, as far as the music in the city goes, I must have to say that where I lived in mid city and still do to this day, uh, in Mardi Gras time and lots of other times, but especially Mardi Gras, there was several parades that started in this neighborhood. Nowadays, mm-hmm. the parades have a, a standard route that they all the parades use to go, go down these certain streets because it's, it's more controllable that way. Back in the old days, parades started all over, over town in different places. Right, right. So in my, in my neighborhood, several parades started, and I could always hear the drummers and the musicians getting to the parade route, uh, the beginning of the parade route early before the parade, and I could hear them, you know, from my, from my grandmother's house and, you know, and either uh, my uncle would walk down there with me, and we could go. I would go look at look at the musicians, and and, and you know, and I was, of course was attracted to the drums, man. The sound mm-hmm. of the drum I could hear all the way from my house, like about four, four, five, six blocks away. So then, you know, uh, as I got older, I could go down there, you know, just with my friends, and uh, and uh, I was very attracted to the music, especially the drums, and. And uh, just sometimes I just follow follow a, a, a drum line, a, a, a band in a parade. I would just be on the sidewalk walking, you know, kind of parallel, just learning the drum beats like right. that, you know, learn and then go home and try to try to Im- imitate the drum beats, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and which which led me, you know, to hey mom, can I have a drum? Hey mom, can I have a drum? Hey mom, can I have a drum? To finally mom gave you get you a drum, you know. Right, right. And and and, and now was it know, a full? A full? It wasn't a drum set, just a drum, right? Well, it was just a little drum. Yeah, right, it was just right. a little drum. Mm-hmm. It was just a, you know, yeah, just a little a, a little parade style marching drum. Sure, you know? sure. A little thirty five dollar job but uh I'm, i managed to do a lot of stuff to that little drum you know <laughs> and uh it was a lot of fun and eventually uh i said mama want a drum set and then when she said if you get your forget your drum set you got to take some lessons so i said i'll take some lessons and and uh it, it all turned out good because when i took the lessons uh i got a little better i got i was then i got i was in the dixieland a band like a traditional uh, New Orleans music, and we learned all uh, standard uh, songs. I was about 12 years old at the time. And uh, a band called Dunks Honky Tonks. It was all little kids, and this old man taught us all the songs. He owned the junkyard, and every Saturday uh, morning, we'd go to the shed in his junkyard, and, and he would teach us all of these uh, standard uh, New Orleans uh, traditional songs, you know, everything right. from the Saints to uh, Way Down Young. The New Orleans, Bill Bailey, why don't you come home, mom? Uh, Ogalusa Strut, Tiger Rag. He taught us all the tunes, man, you know? Right. And uh, so I, 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 from that, and then when I was in that band, you know, I, 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 the, the older guys in that band would say, hey, come over, I want you to hear this. And I'll go over to that house, and they would let and play, play some funk for me, you know? And I mm-hmm. said, wow, what's that? You know, and I started learning funk, you know? And then getting the, and then I was in the funk band, you know, and mm-hmm. then uh, and the guys in the funk band would say, "Hey, come over to my house." The older guys, you know, I go over to the house and they play some something like Charlie Parker or, or, or Dizzy Gillespie or, 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 or something like that, and I mm-hmm. listened to that. Then you know, I started learning a little bit about jazz, and you know, and then. Uh, then somebody said, come over to my house. And somebody played some John Coltrane and said, Lord, have mercy, what is that? I don't even understand what's going on. And the cat said, just listen. I said, okay. Right, <laughs> so, right. So, I mean, that's how, that's how things grew for me around here. You know, he was always hunt, hanging out with an older dude, you know, and uh, he would always turn me on to something, you know, and just push me another step forward. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I I always talk about um, with people learning different styles and people that grew up in a certain area that you're totally immersed in that culture. And that's the way that 
you learn all of these things because you're living it, you're eating it, you're breathing it, you're sleeping it every single day. And, you know, I, I was down in Puerto Rico and there's, there's a kid playing salsa and he sounds, it's like the best salsa I've ever heard. But then he uh -huh. plays a rock beat and he kind of feels like, you know, it kind of sounds like a white dude in the States trying to play a salsa beat, you know, it's like, uh -huh. yeah. and so how do you suggest that people who weren't born in New Orleans or who weren't born in these cultures to to start to learn this music and really immerse themselves inside of it? Because not to take anything away from what you've done, but you've lived there your whole life. So it just makes sense to you. Yeah, uh, I think you have to have a taste of it, you know, so I think it, you know, I, mean, I it, 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 it's already being to start started writing down in books, you know, people have starting to write the stuff down, you know, uh, which is kind of weird because it's it's not too, in my opinion, a lot of folk music. I don't think it's written down. I do, there right. is a lot of folk music that's written down. It's been transcribed, mm -hmm. but there's a whole lot of folk music that's not written down sure. and that hasn't been uh, transcribed. So uh, uh, you can only do so much with the books that have been put out in in, in the last. Uh, 25 years, I would say, maybe mm -hmm. 20, yeah, 26 years. You know, I'm trying to think of the first time I started seeing a street beat in, in a drum book other than the one that uh, from the videos that uh, 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 we made uh, 20, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, uh, New Orleans street beat drumming. Mm -hmm. uh, those videos are pretty helpful, you know. You can learn a lot from those videos, but I still think in order to get the real smell of it, you know, that you, you have to spend a little time down here and, 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 and watch the kids who are just learning, just beginning to learn how to, how to play it and what they're going to do with it and how it's going to evolve. Because mm -hmm. at this state, at this state in the music, and it has been, it's, an, it, 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 it's, a, it's a natural characteristic of this music we're talking about, to constantly grow a little bit. It seems like it's not changing because they always use a lot the, uh, uh, in traditional, they use the, what, the brass band setting. So right. nowadays, young cats are still using the brass band approach, but the material uh, is evolving, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, they're evolving. So, but they're keeping, what I like is the fact that they're maintaining some of the integrity of, of, of the tradition. You know, they haven't blown off tradition. They're still doing certain things just the way they were done a long time ago. It's just young cats, you know, putting in, putting a little bit of a spin on it, but not too much of a spin to lose touch with the, uh, you know, the essence of, of the music. And I think it's folk music, you know, mm -hmm. is what it is. This New Orleans uh, style music. I think it's very much folk music, you know, because right. it was created by, uh, it was created, it's coming from, uh, you know, you it's coming from slaves, you know, and it's coming from, uh, it's coming from, from, from people who would do things in art, uh, and maybe not such a academic way or, or a, lip, a lot more uh, uh, unorthodox, you know? Right, right. You know? So uh, I think what, what, what one needs to do to get more knowledge about it is to do a little hang here, you know, mm -hmm. and then just really open up your ears, you know, mm -hmm. and ask questions and... Uh, I see lots of guys pick up the style fairly easy, you know, mm -hmm. some easier than others. Some guys, you, you just have to correct them and say, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing everything right, but your approach to the drum is too, is too uh, academic. It's too, right. uh, it's too military. It looks mm -hmm. like, it, look, it looks like a military thing sometimes when you look at a New Orleans drummer, but it's really not. It's right. almost like a little small drum drum set uh, when he's playing stuff on a snare drum. But he's really riding on that snare drum like he's riding on, on a cymbal, mm -hmm. you know? He's not playing a snare drum like a hand-to-hand -hand rudimental drummer at all. Right. You know, right. the right hand has one function, the left hand has another, you know, like on a drum set. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and, and, and a lot of New Orleans drumming is, uh, is that way, except you, use, you only have one snare drum, you know, and then you got your, 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 your buddy on the bass drum, you know, holding the whole band together. He's, he's, just, he's the main cat in the band, the guy on the bass drum. Right. You know. So then, so over the years, they just, all of these instruments were separated and just started to come together and people started putting everything onto one kit, right? Well... <clears throat> Yes, and that's when the bass drum pedal was invented. Mm -hmm. You know, when 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 uh, when a pe when a, I think I think I think the story goes in history the way I heard it. And I don't really know, but uh, you know, when uh, brass bands, of course, would not sound good in the parlor of 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 of, of, uh, of, a, of a brothel. You know, mm -hmm. they usually had a piano. They usually had a piano player. But then, you know, the music had a lot of bouncing things. So, so you know, they would say, be cool with a drummer, you know, because the brass bands have the drummers and they're out there. But we can't, we can't bring all, all them two drummers up in here with a piano. Right. It just don't make sense. <clears throat> so, you know, they decide, they found that, you know, put the bass drum on the floor, put a pedal on it. Yeah. You just have to use one guy, you know. And a lot of people lot lost their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and, and 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 a lot of ladies made a lot of money. Right. <laughs> Brought the drums inside. It's and, a give and uh, take. <laughs> yeah. So let, I, I, I've watched so many videos of you talking about um, just about New Orleans drumming and also you know, the club and talking about 12 and, and, and thinking in that, in terms of 12 and elongating things. And can we, can we dig, dig into that a little bit? Because the stuff that you talk about and the way that you explain it, I can never explain it the way that you do. Um, just about, about hearing all of these different things that are going on at the same time within grooves. Well, People ask, said, so, you know, uh, where do you think New Orleans drumming got its roots? And I say from Africa, mm -hmm. specifically, specifically the uh, the club that is the most popular, which is the one that says boom, 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 that that one there. Uh, I, I I think. I think it definitely comes from the African uh, mother beat, the twelve eight club, club, mm -hmm. which is more like boom to chicken and gun 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 boom to pluck at the dick at the dick at the boom to chicken and dow 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 boom to chicken and dow dow dow, which is really pop pop pow 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 pop pop pow 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 pop, which is a two three club. Mm -hmm. And if you take that and you put that into eight eight, and you put and you give it some drum music, you got one, two, one. Two, three, one, two, one, three, four, one. So, so you basically you got a two, three club there. You got bop, 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 you know, groupings, two groupings, then three groupings, you right. know, of accents. So uh, if you would have asked me where it came from, it came from Africa, migrated in the ships down in the islands where it picked up the 8-8, mm -hmm. which also brought brought into play this little beat here, which is another 2-3 club. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. And that's a very common Latin club, you know, like tall and ten and young and lovely, the girl from me. It's the same beat. Like a bossa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except it's a lot, a lot looser. You right. know, the eighth, the eighth note is, is, is almost swinging. Mm -hmm. It's almost it's almost like 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 a shuffle, but not it's not not that shuffle and it but it's not that straight. So people say it's in a crack. Right. It's in right. a crack somewhere between the eighth note and a triplet. Well, and that's the thing that a lot of people talk about with New Orleans music is that that it's not swung and it's not straight. It's it's right. like you said, in the crack. And 
you know, I think a lot of people have a hard time conceptualizing that and, and playing it and hearing it that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, so what's a, you know, how do you get to that point? How do you, well, how do you hear it that way? I, I, I do a lot of teaching and uh, uh, for everybody to get to that point, sometimes you have to take different, there's no one way to get to that point. Right. You know, so, so, uh, uh, the way I, uh, you know, I, I get different students and depending on the student up in here, who's, you know, wanting to get it, I'm going to do different things to him. Like if in this case, here, yeah, I like, we just, since we already said the word bossa nova, I just try to get him to play a bossa nova and make it swing. Right. You know, almost like a shuffle with the right hand and playing the accents with the left. And then if he adds that accent on, on, on in the second measure on beat four on his bass drum, then he's basically got the street beat. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and the, re- the rest, the only thing he's got to do, do, do now is take some some, some stuff out. All right. <laughs> you know, it's good. Edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, use let use less of the left hand and make sure the left the left hand is not not very good. Because mm-hmm. you know when you don't want it, you don't want it to sound like you like you studied music. Right. It's folk music. It's not academic school music. It's not you know uh, music of a virtuoso. It's workers' music. It's the common man's music. It's folk music, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be over overthought. It shouldn't be overworked. It shouldn't be over overdone. You know what I mean? It's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be everybody's music. Well, I think that I think that uh, everybody always overthinks everything. You know, mm-hmm. especially when it when it comes to music, and if they don't know what they're playing, you know, it's like, oh, I gotta I gotta play this thing, and then I heard this, and so I gotta put that in there because that makes it authentic. You know, rather than uh-huh. just letting it breathe and and do its thing. You know. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'll, I'll, you know, one of the main things that bugged me at first was, man, when people asked a long time ago when I first started teaching, people said, oh, I want to learn that street beat stuff that 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 you do. I said, uh oh. I, I didn't have an answer for him, you know, because right. I just I just that's the kind of stuff you do as a kid and you and you learn how to do it and and you know you, you know it's it's not in a book or it's not on a paper or nobody said do this or that. You just kinda imitate it and you do it and then you wind up by the time you you you're thirteen, fourteen years old, you're doing it, you know, you're right. just doing it, you know. And then 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 ten years later somebody asks you teach it to me i'm going whoa uh, okay well just sit next to me and you know right. sit next to me and try to get with me that's how i first started to teach it to people right then right, i right. <clears throat> then i still don't use paper or pen you know to teach it to people you know i i just use words because i don't want it to be in in academia you know right, right. i want i want it to be passed from my mouth you know, to to give him, you know, tell him some stuff about it verbally, or just say, "Look, let me show you some stuff." What am I doing with my left hand? I'm dragging it. I'm dragging it on a drum. Nothing like any rudiment. Nothing like anything a drum teacher would tell you to do. As a matter of fact, if a drum teacher saw you doing that, he would tell you, "Don't do that." Right. And if I would say, "Play the stick in this way." Because it goes more along with the right leg, the right hand is is connected physically, mm-hmm. scientifically. And, you know, the brain runs the right the right side. I said, if you make the stick in this way, it's going to be easier. But sure. if a drum but if a drum teacher were to watch me do that, he would say, Oh no 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 no! You alternate those sticks. You alternate those sticks, but not necessarily in New Orleans street beat music. You don't necessarily alternate the sticks like. Professor Drum says, you know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, you gotta, you know, it's, it's funny that you say it, that you're explaining it this way. And the first thing that I thought about when you said this is it's almost like riding a bike and it's not like you can teach somebody how to ride a bike. You can be like, yeah, you get on it and you start pedaling, but it's like, but how do you keep your balance? And it's like, I don't know. How do you teach somebody how to keep their balance? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't write that down. You can't. It's a feeling. So when you're right. going back, you're like, all right, you got to get it right so that you don't fall to the left or fall to the right. Right. You know, that's kind of that's exactly what yeah. I thought about when you were hearing that, that you're yeah. like, you can't really teach it. You know? um, I think that's the mailman. <laughs> I think the mailman has the ride. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess dogs still hate mailmen, huh? <laughs> I just tell them in a mail suit, Johnny. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so now, um, some of the uh, some of the stuff that you talk about a lot is melodic playing melodically, melodic phrasing, and hearing things differently. And I th- I think that a lot of drummers run into hearing things as like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, and hearing it in these small bits of information. Yes. And can we talk a little bit about like elongating the elongating phrases and hearing things in a, in a bigger sense um, so that you get a better feel of, of the tune and the melody and playing melodically on the instrument? Yeah, that that's probably the most essential thing in playing modern music is uh, that the drummer has a concept of the song, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. if, he, if he just has a concept of the, a drum beat that'll fit it, it what, it's going to lack phrasing, it's going to lack breathing, it's going to lack the proper respect that you give to a song. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to first of all realize that you're there to serve the song. Now, you said something about drums going this way and you and you went like that you moved your hand up and down vertically right uh that's harmonic rhythm and yes that's pretty much the way drums go very vertical you know and uh, and what i call harmonic rhythm mm-hmm. now the way i'm thinking you can also go melodic rhythm which is linear and it's very horizontal rhythm can also be that way right the, the melody of a rhythm you know so when i, I try to get drummers to un, uh, who, who feel stiff, uh, you know, is to just play the rhythm of the melody. Ba da ba 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 boo boo be be ba ba. Stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know. And I and also to to, to conceptualize. A phrase. Don't conceptualize each beat one, two, three, four, like that, up and down. But to collect, cl- capsulize eight beats, just like a clob take can, can take eight beats and ma- and make one out of it. Like for example, one, two, three, four, ba 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 one ba 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 one ba 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 one. So now now I'm not thinking anymore one two three four one two. I'm thinking ba ba ba. <laughs> I'm thinking like that. So now I've taken this vertical thing and stood it up this way and made it a melodic rhythm. Right. You know, but 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 thinking of it more horizontal, you know, and capsulizing eight beats into one phrase. One one time through the clave is eight beats. So if I'm feeling that dance inside of me, cl- dancing to that clave, then I don't have to worry about each beat. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing so vertical up and down, straight up and down anymore. Right. Now, now I'm starting to become much more melodic. And the more you sing and breathe, don't be afraid of spaces. A lot of drummers, all what they want to do is fill up a space, you know? Mm-hmm. You just, you just, you know, you have to not be afraid of the space, you know, and, 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 and let the music pull you. That's why I like to uh, get the guys to kind of do some sort of melodic rhythmic singing to what they're doing. Like, like, right and so i'm playing off a happy was that happy birthday (laughs) yes it was and but i'm improvising off sure yeah it's true it's it's easy song to work with first of all you know it before you know how to talk Mm -hmm. you know you know happy birthday so you should be able to know the song in your head you should have no problem maintaining that melody and being able to 
make variations. That's what they call jazz, improvising, make variations. That's all jazz is, is variations on a theme, a melody, giving chord changes or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're doing the same thing on the drums, you know. You got to play the same game with the music that the other musicians. Otherwise, you're going to be a drummer. And it's best to be a musician than a drummer. Right. It's better to be just a mediocre drummer but a good musician as opposed to be a great phenomenal drummer but a you know but a, a mediocre musician you know sure. it's yeah. much more important to be a great musician mm-hmm. you know yeah it's it's interesting putting it like that and and you know i think that everybody's goal is to be a musician you know not like you said not just a drummer and saying hey yeah you know it's like the old joke hey you know can you play can you play paradiddles at 220 beats a minute? Yes, I can. Okay, can you play them with your feet? Yeah, I can. Did I get the gig? It's like, no, that's why we fired the last guy. <laughs> yeah, can you play Misty with a pair of brushes? <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, there's so many people that credit you to their success and being an, an inspiration to their playing. And and just because of, of what you've accomplished in your career and, and the lessons and the message that you've been sending to drummers for years. So what's your response to that when guys like Brian Blade or, or Stanton Moore credit you as, as their inspiration and their, their heroes and the guys that really inspire them to become who they are? Well, uh, that, that's the reward. You know, I mean, you get a certain reward when you play music and people clap and everybody loves you and they want to shake your hand and all of that. The reward you get from teaching comes much later. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes much later. It's no instant gratification at all in teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a little painful sometimes. Uh, but when guys, especially guys like Brian and uh, Stanton and a, a whole bunch of other great guys, man, when they give me, when when they say nice things, when I open up a downbeat and I read this beautiful stuff that Brian Blade said about me, you know, or or I open up Modern Drum and read this nice stuff, stands stands always saying, man, if you know you got to talk to Johnny Vidagra, you got to talk to Johnny Vidagra. He, he is. He you know, always. You know, I got to get. You know, uh, uh, what I feel is that's my reward, and 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 uh, it's really a great feeling to that when your students acknowledge you even after they so you know they've gone far away from you which they don't really ever do right you know uh especially stanton i was gonna say stanton's in your backyard yeah i mean you know we hang hard and uh uh but it you know it 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 makes me it makes me very thankful Mm -hmm. it's a very uh, 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 it's it's close to a little. Uh, you feel good about yourself, right? You know, and and, and I'm and then I can sit back and I say, whew, whew, I guess it. You know, I guess I said the right stuff. You right. Know? It's, you know, and it, it's funny that you say that. I years ago, I I sent. Um, I actually met Stanton just walking through. Uh, I was at one of those concerts in the park on a Wednesday in New Orleans, and and bumped into him, ended up talking to him, emailed him back and forth a few times. And I was asking about some advice of, you know, creating a, or making a career in music and, you know, any advice that he could give me. And I said, how did you do it? And he said, well, I didn't really have a choice. He said, Johnny Vidakovich told me that if I was going to stay in town, that's cool. But if not, if I was going to stay there and, and not tour, he said that he was personally going to come and kick my ass. Yeah. <laughs> And I said, oh, okay. And he said, so I really have to credit Johnny for that. Um, so was there, did you see something in him that, that you knew that, you know, he had to go out and really, and really, uh, show, show what he could do to the world because, because he had that special talent. Yeah. I th- I think, I think I immediately noticed in him, his, his appetite was much larger than the music mm-hmm. and that, that if he just, uh, hung around and lived off the music man he would he would maybe uh it wouldn't be good 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 and healthy for him he had the kind of appetite that had to be involved moving doing things you know he he understood a much bigger picture than most musicians did right. and he he understood that from the beginning 
He had, he, I did not understand this when, when I was his age. He understands, sees a much bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that in him when he studied, because when we, when, we, when we did stuff, when he was very young, you know, when he was like 17 years old, 16 years old, we would do stuff and he would come back and say, oh, you know that blah, 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 what you showed me here, what you showed me there? Look, I, I add these other eight things to it. Look, check this out. You know, he would do like eight right. variations on, <laughs> on, 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 on one or two things that I showed him. So, you know, that, that knocked me out. You know? Right, right. Yeah, I had a uh, a little shed session with him a couple months ago, and he was showing me all the stuff that he was doing with brushes. And he's like, but then I started putting this in. So then uh-huh. I took this, you know, this Philly Joe thing, and then I mixed it with this John Bonham thing. And, I did, and I'm, like, uh-huh. I'm like, where do you even come up with this stuff? Yeah, he, he did me that. He, he, <laughs> he, he would come in the middle of the week when it wouldn't even be his lesson time, you know. Right. <laughs> I'd be knocking on the door. And I said, what the hell are you doing here? Said, You're not supposed to be here to Thursday. But I said, yeah, but I got to show you this. I said, he's pushing his way in the door, you know. I got to show you this. I said, you know that brush thing you showed me? Watch this. <laughs> I can play it with my feet. <laughs> And I just, it was one of those kind, you know, you couldn't keep him off the front porch. Right, right. Well, that's great, man. Yeah. And speaking of you being a, a master teacher, you've recently started doing Skype lessons, right? I just had, yeah, it just started yesterday. Nice. Oh, it was just yesterday? Just yesterday was my first one. Oh, awesome. How'd it go? I really a lot easier than I thought. I was I was thinking it was wasn't gonna be easy, and I was thinking that it would be cold but it turned out to be uh very easy and uh the gen- the gen- the gentleman that I, I, I was I was uh Josh uh, I forget his last name but uh man he was slamming and uh uh it was it turned out to be really nice that's awesome that's so awesome I'm looking forward to tomorrow I think I got two or three of them nice so if anybody wants to study with you um what's the best way to get in touch with you the best way to get in touch with me is to talk to my wife, Deborah, mm-hmm. and you can email her at jvidakovich. Okay, let me start over. <laughs> jvidakovich at cox.net. Okay, and what I'll do is, like I said, every every interview gets a uh, gets a show notes page, so I'll put all of your contact information up on there as well because I strongly strongly urge all the listeners out there to take some time and study with Johnny. He's definitely the real deal. And, uh, I mean, just by this, this conversation, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta set some time aside to, to do some studying with you as well. Um, so what advice do you have, um, for, for people that are coming up now or, or, or players that are just really trying to, to step up their game. And what do you see other drummers doing that you're kind of like, ah, oh, man, I wish they just knew this or, or a, a piece of advice do you have for people in, in their playing? Um, if, if, if you, you know, if, if you're at the stage where you, uh, I think I'm always learning stuff from observing people. A lot of observation, I think is, is, is one good study for uh, all drummers at on any level, just to observe other drummers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but the thing I'm going to tell all drummers, especially the, the, the younger ones, don't get hung up into playing the drums. Make sure you very much know about lyrical qualities, things that are lyrical. And I don't mean lyrics. I mean as in song-like, as in breath as in phrases, think a little bit more melodic, what I call melodic rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't you know? Don't always think so up and down. But there is time and a place, you know, to think of vertical, you know, strong, solid, uh, timely things when you have when you're required to play that. But when you have the when you have the liberty to play maybe in a more jazz context or a more improvised context, then, then you should be thinking also in terms of a, a, a melodic rhythm, which is horizontal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would say take easy songs that are simple, like I did Happy Birthday. It could be any song that's easy and learn to make variations of it, rhythmic, melodic variations. Mm-hmm. Take, take a breath when you're playing. Learn how to breathe properly. Make your music sound more like a song. Imagine that the drum set has a mouthpiece on it and you have to blow air through it. 
And then you're going to start taking your time. Mm-hmm. And you will be less afraid of space. And uh, then you'll start making phrases also. Sure. Because you, you have to take a breath. You know, so I say to all drummers, keep checking people out. And one thing I find is, is important is to try to imitate another instrument. Instead of trying to imitate another drummer, I'm trying to play like, like uh, I like the way Charlie Rouse plays saxophone. Mm-hmm. I li- and, and when I was young, I, I, I transcribed a few drums, drum solos when I was about 18, 19, some Philly Joe, some Tony Williams, and uh, uh, maybe one, one, one or two other drummers, uh, uh, Frankie Dunlop, for sure. Uh, and, and, but then I only transcribed four or five, so then I immediately started transcribing the rhythm of what Thelonious Monk was playing on a piano, the rhythm of what Stan Getz was playing on a saxophone. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to play those rhythms on a drum. Of course, I couldn't play the notes, but I could play the rhythms and move around the drums. Sure. What's, cool, what's cool about the drums is you can't hit a wrong note because they don't have notes. <laughs> right. Right. So you can sing from the inside and in your throat and in your mouth and in your stomach and you can hit anything. And if that intention of song that you have within you is coming out and you're hitting anything on drums, it's going to sound great. Because mm-hmm. you're thinking melodically, you're thinking lyrically, you're thinking of the song, you're thinking of the harmonic changes, you know. You're learning to improvise while you're hearing changes. I'd say to all drummers, Get behind that piano. Make it your best friend. You know, that's going to teach you everything you need to know about music. Sure. When, when Cats and, and, and let's say, the Astro Project, a band I play with, uh, when, they, when they have something difficult that I can't really hear because they, they, they write complex compound harmonies, you know, uh, chords on top of chords and stuff, I'll take the, the lead sheet home with me, sit at, sit at the piano, learn a bass note, learn a melody note, so, so my ears will learn to be able to hear the song as they're improvising. Sure. You know, that way when I'm, because behind the drums, I don't have any notes to hold on to. I can't say, oh, oh, that's, a, that, that's an F. Uh, <laughs> sorry. The dogs, the, the dogs were telling you that it's a D, yeah. not an F. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, guys. You know, listen, listen. Listen to the melod- the melodic content, and 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 and, uh, and 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 take the piano because and and, and learn the song. You know, maybe to change, just so you can hear the the uh, the uh, harmonic rhythm to understand the song when when you're playing it behind the drums because you don't have any notes on the drums to hold on to. Mm-hmm. You can't tap the drum and say, "Oh, that's an F," so I know where they are in the song now. Right. Right. You can't do that. You know, you have to know. You have to be so. You have to get your ear to know the song. Right, knowing the melody and knowing. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to play the song on drums because you don't have notes. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so you should know it. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to backtrack a little bit. You had mentioned about taking a breath, and they say that when people are talking, and if they don't know what, or they they say um all the time in between words. It's yeah. because they're afraid of silence. Self-consciously, they're, they're not, they don't realize it, but they're afraid of silence. And I think that musicians do the same thing. And all the extra notes that they're putting in there is them saying, uh, I, uh, um, uh, because they don't, you know, they're afraid of that silence that you talked about. I like that, man. That's, that's exactly right, I think. Yeah. I was just, just kind of was thinking about it as you were, as you were saying that, because I know that I remember uh, in spe- I had speech class in college. Public speaking is the number one fear in the world. People fear it more than dying, actually. And uh, but they said that one of the things they say um all the time because people are afraid of space. And I'm thinking, well, musicians are afraid of space too, I guess, or drummers, yeah. es- drummers especially because, like you said, there's no wrong note. You can play as many notes as you want, and yeah, they won't and I don't have to breathe either, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you don't have to stop playing to breathe the drums, but you. Right. That, uh, but I'm saying you do, you know, mm-hmm. you do it to make it music. Right. To make right. it, and, and as a drummer, your, your goal should be to make music, not not to make good drum. Right, man. Make, I, I make I, good music. I totally, I totally agree. I was, I told this story last week on another podcast, but I was in L.A. and there was this drummer, and he's playing all over everything. And this guy was phenomenal. He had chops for days. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound like he had seven hands, uh-huh. and so he's playing, and then they go into the solo section. I'm like, he's not going to play like this over all the solos. Right. Oh, he did. 
all, all through all the solos. So then they said, give the drummer some. And I'm like, well, this he's already had way What's too much as it is. So he does his solo. And had he done that solo out coming out of playing, you know, playing uh not overplaying and just playing musically and then played that solo he'd have blew he'd have blown everybody's doors off uh-huh. he played his solo people were just kind of like eh because yeah. that's what he'd been playing the whole time right, right, you know right. and it's Everything like you know <laughs> right right so it's like we already know all the stuff that you can do there was no there was no uh you know culminating into this solo or anything it was just like him playing at 11 the whole time anyway it was yeah. it was a shame because he was such technically he was sound you know he's an amazing player but just like there's no music coming out of it. You know, I, I think as, as we grow older as drummers, it's really important, too, every now and then to step back a, a minute and say, you know, it's, i got to clean house a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in my playing that needs to be edited, you know. Because right. the years go by and you keep accumulating a whole bunch of knowledge, you, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, knowledge and stuff, you know. Right. And you, you just have to... Uh, Oh, was that the was that the bottle of Pellegrino? Hold on a minute, I knocked over something. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. At, That's a, all... at, at a symbolic accident. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So where were what were we saying? Uh, um, oh, cleaning house and, and cleaning editing. house, cleaning house. Yeah, I was saying I was saying you know you know we 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 pick up a lot of stuff you know all the time as drummers and uh, I think you know as you grow older to certain things you say you know what I you know, I don't need to play this foolishness no more you know this mm-hmm. is kind of, this is kind of silly this you know just make sure that you know you're not you're not you're not just rambling on with some old stuff that really has no more heart to it, you know, or mm-hmm. does you know, for one reason or another is just doesn't need to be happening anymore. You right. know? Now this may sound like a silly question, but how do you, how do you go about doing it? How do you edit out some of this stuff? How do you know what's, you know, essentially what you should keep and what should go? Well, uh, mostly, Mostly, I, I kind of ponder on it for a moment. How musical is it? Mm-hmm. How does it sound pretty to me? Is it lyrical? Is what I'm doing sound uh, like I'm like I'm opening up something inside of my heart? Does it sound a little more personal? Or what can I do to make this more personal? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot of what I'm talking about just naturally comes with age, right? You know, and all you have to do is not deny it. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, it makes total sense. So, what's next for you? What's on What's on the horizon for you? You've had a you've had quite the storied career, but I'm sure that there's there's still things that you want to do and still things that you want to work on. So, what's on tap for you? Well, uh just you know making them gigs yeah make it make them and just keep making them gigs like i'm making them you know mm-hmm. and keep on teaching and keep on doing what i'm doing and uh, i'm lucky that i have you know f- some great friends to play with you know mm-hmm. been my boys in the astral project we've been together for a long time you know and, and we still do a lot of things together you know not as much as we used to cuz we don't want to uh, travel in a van anymore we gave that up after about 35 years right you know we're just taking trips uh either flying in or somewhere or flying out stuff like that and then we're playing around town uh and then uh and I got my Thursday night gig at the Maple Leaf you know and that's always like uh very inspiring and fresh because it's always different guys right so so for me that that's that's kind of always a new thing even though I've been doing it a lot you know every mm-hmm. Thursday it's 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 always new because it's always different guys and it's and it's usually never rehearsed and so therefore everybody has to step up to the plate a little bit more and make it happen and uh usually it, it's a lot of fun Nice. You know, so I have a lot of fun playing, and I and I'm lucky to have uh, great students and and a you know a beautiful family and all of that kind mm. of stuff. You know, I'm very happy doing what I'm doing, man. Good. I I, I like I like when people are happy, man. That's the most important thing. You know, uh, you I'm, a, I'm, happy. A, I'm a lucky dog, man. 
So one last question for you. Let's let's uh, talk gear real quick. What kind of what's your typical setup that you play? Um, well, a lot of times I'm playing backline, but uh, from when I'm playing my own stuff, I got DW stuff, mm-hmm. uh, some DW drums that they uh, that they uh, uh, made up for me, real nice, real nice ones, and uh, I like those. And uh, I have I've been playing Crescent Symbols, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a, a new company that uh, Michael Vosfine and and Stanton Moore and I think uh, uh, what's his name the drummer um, uh, Hammer Jeff guy. Jeff Hamilton yeah I think uh, Hamilton I mm-hmm. think they're all part of that company or something like that yep. and and so I, I'm I'm playing those symbols and uh, I've been playing Regal Tip Sticks for for a long time. 30 years or so. Mm. And uh, Aquarian Heads, Roy Burns is really great to me. Yeah, man. You know? I'm, a, yeah. I'm an Aquarian uh, artist myself, so I love him. I've been knowing Roy since uh, back in the, in the late 60s, early 70s, when I was the house drummer at the Playboy Club. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's when I first met him. Hmm. Yeah, he, and uh, so what else? Uh, sticks and cymbals and drums and heads. What size? That, what size drums do you use? Uh, eighteen inch kick. I, I have two kits. One's one's like a, a little eighteen, you know, a twelve and a fourteen tom tom, and and another kit's a, a little more uh, bigger. It's like a twenty inch bass drum with a nine by thirteen and a sixteen by sixteen floor tom, you know, and a couple little different snare drums, you know. Right, right. Different. Some are pop, some are warm, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it, really nice stuff. Really, I like it. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for, for taking all this time to chat with me today, man. man. I really I really appreciate it. You opened up my mind to a lot of things. I know you opened up the listeners' minds to a lot of thank things as well, man. It's been it's been a pleasure chatting with you. We'll have to do it okay. again sometime. And I'll be looking for you when you come down to New Orleans. Right? I'm definitely, definitely looking you up when I come down. All right, bro. I absolutely am. And for all the listeners out there, uh, go to drummersresource.com and check out Johnny's interview and find his contact information on there. Contact his wife, set up some lessons, and uh, you, will not be, you will not be let down. That I can promise you. So, and Johnny, thank you again, man. Thank you so much, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Peace. So there you have it, Mr. Johnny Vadakovich, the one and only, the legendary New Orleans drummer. And if you want to study with him, just email him. It's jvadakovich at cox.net. And all the information is on drummersresource.com at drummersresource.com forward slash session 65. I strongly encourage if you want to learn New Orleans music and just learn how to play more naturally and, and from the heart, check out Johnny Vadakovich. He's definitely the man for that. Also, if you want to check out that webinar, Marketing for the Modern Musician, go to drummersresource.com forward slash register. The, the webinar is Wednesday, September 24th at 7 p.m. Learn what you need to market yourself as a musician in the modern world and brand yourself as a professional, yielding more exposure, more followers, and more gigs. Check out drummersresource.com forward slash register for more information. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource, on Instagram at drummersresource, on Twitter at drummersrsource. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.